Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Woody Allen Retrospective Podcast right here on Planet Tyro. I'm your host, Donald Wanda, and I'm joined once again with my deviously evil, sinister co-host, especially for this conversation, Simon Red. Wow, what an intro. Welcome, everybody. Am I ushering in some sort of holocaust or something? What am I doing? You know, that I gotta live up to a reputation now. Why am I the Antichrist? <laughs> well, you might be one of the characters in this movie we're about to talk about. But before we get to today's discussion with you, let's talk about last week. Last week, we spoke about a Woody Allen movie that I professed, very surprisingly to some of you guys, that is my favourite Woody Allen movie, the movie called... Nobody Cares. The movie called Another Woman. If you want to check out that review, check on, check on the YouTube card in the top right-hand corner. And Simon, you motherfucker, just said nobody cares. Well, I will say this, fun bit of trivia about Another Woman, since we're on the topic. That character is the one Woody Allen identifies with the most. He says that character in Another Woman is the most like him in real life. So if nothing else... You guys want to check out that movie just to see what Woody Allen's like and not that whimsical, neurotic, yeah, oh, I can't figure out what I'm doing character. So, you know. That has absolutely no bearing on my life or anything that I do, but thank you for the information anyway. Translation, you still don't care. That, that still wouldn't sway you from loving the movie. Yeah, no, no. So that's still all, still, it's still all you. Which is way better than TV. It's, no, it, it ain't. It smashes in TV into a million pieces. No, it doesn't. <laughs> you bitch. Anyway, uh, sh- shall we shall we move on? No, 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 because I got to do the pre-roll, guys. Do not forget <laughs> we got the website Woody oh Allen God. Retro. I'll, I'll get a sandwich. Yeah, you yeah. do that, Woody Allen Retro, where we've got all of our reviews catered up, lined up. Because this is a retrospective we've been doing for quite a while now. We're nearly halfway through Woody Allen's filmography. And in case you want to check out the other videos, Another Woman, Manhattan, Annie Hall, they're all in the playlist. Thank you guys for listening on the podcast. Thank you on iTunes. If you don't know, we're on every single iTunes app. I'll leave a link in the description. Guys, lastly, do not forget these reviews are spoiler discussions. You want to watch the movies before we get into it because when we make all these in-jokes and talk about the movie in detail and you guys don't get it, it's because you haven't watched the movie and we do get complaints about that sometimes. So I like to address it now. Watch the movie first. But if you don't care and you think we're funny and you want to hear what we think about the movies anyway, then check out our spoiler discussion on the next movie coming up right now. And now's your chance, Simon, to introduce the next movie, which is a movie that people say is Woody Allen's fourth greatest movie First, Annie Hall, Manhattan, Hannah and the Sisters, and this movie, which is... Finally, yes, Crimes and Misdemeanors from 1989. We made it. We made it through the 80s Woody Allen filmography, the decade of depression. As you guys probably noticed, if he's not making a movie that is some sort of retrospective or looking back previous decades, then the movie's going to be quite depressing hmm. when it's uh, set in the 80s. And Crimes and Misdemeanors is no different. And from a certain perspective, it's the ultimate 80s Woody Allen movie. It's a compilation of all the ideas and angles he explored in the different films leading up to this point, and actually very well executed. We mainly follow a large group of characters combined through family ties with two leads. One is Judah Rosenhall, played by Martin Landau. And then we have... Woody Allen's own character, who I believe was called Cliff Stern. So they're similar and opposites at the same time. Judah is a very accomplished doctor 
who has been happily married for a long time, but has a dark secret, an affair he's been conducting for the past two years. But Woody Allen's character, Cliff, is a documentary filmmaker who's an artist at heart and would prefer to do the movies he really wants to do, but he's not that successful, and his marriage is growing cold. And the link that's connecting them together is Ben, Woody Allen's brother-in-law, played by Sam Waterston, who's returning from many collaborations at this point. I think you can call him a Woody Allen uh, staple at this point. I think you would agree with that, Don. Somewhat. somewhat. Yeah, and he, he's one of the best performances as a supporting character because he's, he, he's a rabbi and he's kind of like the moral and emotional support for Judah's character. And he's going blind, which automatically makes him sympathetic. But the core of the movie is still very familiar with Woody Allen themes of depression, growing older, having an affair, being unsatisfied, but with a more darker turn than ever before. Yeah. Now, I'm struggling to do the summary for this movie, and I'm thinking two steps ahead before I say anything. And the reason is that even though this is a spoiler discussion, and we always encourage people to watch the movie, which I recommend, but my main problem is, and I don't don't know if you can guess this, that there's a Woody Allen movie down the line that... I know we both saw, and I know we both really like, because you recommended that movie to me back in the day. And up until this day, it's one of my favorite Woody Allen movies. It's still, even after, you know, we're 20-some movies into this retrospective, it's still in my top five. And like with a lot of his previous films, Woody Allen likes to revisit ideas later down the line. And the movie I'm referencing is very similar in many aspects of this You might point. as well say, stop beating around the bush, it's match point. <laughs> I know. No, 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 no. I, want, I want to save it. I want to save it. I, you're talking about beating around the bush. Hell. But I want to, <laughs> say, I, I want to save it for later down the line. You know, because it, it, it's like, it's 15 years down the line, you know? We'll get and to I that. didn't know yeah. if I should bring it up. But my big problem is, because I'll tell you right now, people, mm. even after the long-winded summary, this is a good movie. It is really an ultimate collection of Woody Allen's ideas executed well. And I, the one tick box you can check is that the characters actually interact. You know how we talked about it, Hannah and her sisters, the characters are kind of disjointed and the different storylines don't really link up up until the very end. Mm-hmm. Here, it's much better. The, the characters meet and interact with each other. And even though the separate storylines don't have the biggest impact on one another, it still flows organically. So it's mm. it's a very well put together movie and a real achievement for Woody Allen as a director. I'm not sure if I agree with that. Actually, you'd be surprised. Actually, <laughs> oh, I thought it was a step up from Hannah and her sisters, but end of the day, Match Point, much better film. And I think if you watch this movie before you watch Match Point, you're kind of spoiling Match Point for yourself. No, that's and not that, true. that gives me a great. That gives you a great dilemma. And what do you think? Now, the reason why I say that's not true off the bat, because let's, let's start with the match point thing. Simon, we've already said in this retrospective many times, Woody Allen just retakes ideas or films he's done before and kind of re-improves them. And you see them again in a better version. And I actually think if you watch this before match point, you get that again. You see this movie, you watch match point, and you basically get to see a better delivered idea of this concept again and this and match point are the same so to be honest with you the chronological way to to watch this before match point is the better way if you watch match point 
And then watch this. Like you have, Simon, you're going to have more of a problem, which I, I think you should stick with that more because the movie itself, this movie is the fourth highest praised Woody Allen movie across the board. People love this movie. It's, it was a masterpiece. Just like you, Simon, I think it's a very good movie. But again, let's put match points to the side. As you said as well, this is another movie where he's taken bits and pieces of his drama period and just focused in on them. For example, you talk about Hannah and the Sisters. This mm -hmm. film is very much like a, a darker version of Hannah and the Sisters because, again, and in, 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 in a lot of the ways, I'm not happy. Like, the one complaint I had against Hannah and the Sisters, which I thought was really, I don't want to say nonsensical, but it was really weird, was that Woody Allen had his own movie where you feel like he added his movie in another movie. And I watched this, <laughs> and it was the same thing again. It was like... Sorry if I shouted it, guys. Let me just explain myself a little bit more. Woody Allen has this separate storyline where he's a documentarian and he hates this guy who's a more successful person in the in the movie industry than him. Who's His other brother-in-law, uh, Lester, played by Alan Alda. Alan Alda, correct. And he, that performance is fantastic. And I got a lot of interest in behind the scenes for to talk about. When I saw this movie and I already knew what I was getting into, because again, this is me re-watching it, I didn't actually remember this this Woody Allen storyline in this movie because it's so separate from the narrative of this murder, cheating, infidelity guy that I thought to myself, again? But here's the thing I will praise. If the movie was just a crime to misdemeanors part with the murder and the love interest, it would have been a lot shorter movie and it might have been too droll. Woody Allen's part is different. It's got to do with, he's forward, he kind of falls in love with someone, he's in an unhappy marriage. The two ideas don't marry well in the movie, ah, but the top, but the see, difference is, yeah. hold on, the difference is with Hannah and the Sisters, that was a religious comedy. Woody was going with some religious comedy on one side, where you've got the infidelity and the sister on the other side. What Woody's dealing with this time is not so the tonal shift isn't so drastic, but to me it was still like it makes the movie more enjoyable having a different tale with this other murder thing. To me, it, it still doesn't. It doesn't, to me, it was like, uh, it's two, it's a movie of two stories in one. And there's a lot of movies where you've got different characters going on different storylines, you know, Pulp Fiction, that are really intertwined. This movie doesn't do that badly. And I'm not saying I hated the fact that Woody Allen had something separate from, because that's how life is. Sometimes people got different things in their life going on. That's just life. And again, Woody Allen's a good enough writer where this time, I will agree with you, this is a much better improved way of doing it than he did in the Hannah and the Sisters where the tone shift was off. But for me, they're both okay stories, but then did they need to be in this movie? But I accept the fact that that's the movie. Now, let me just jump to the the murder side with that part of the story. Okay, fair, fair enough. I'm, I'm listening. You're wrong, but... Okay, but uh, well, I'll let you rebuttal after I finish. The murder side is completely fine. I think it's interesting because the first thing that got me is that this guy was in a long-term affair. This wasn't... Uh, a one week, a six month, it was two years. And I love the way the movie delves into, the movie shows that he is in a situation where this woman is being, I don't want to say unreasonable because he's an asshole, but she's being very erratic. She's making all these threats. She's really posing that threat to his life. And he does try to be civil. He does try to control her. Let's not get it wrong. What he's doing is bad. He's trying to control her. He's trying to protect his own little life. And he comes to the conclusion that he has to do this heinous crime, but he battles with it. And that's what I like. This movie, he battles with it. And I think the movie has a very good legacy because a lot of other movies, you wouldn't have that battle. 
you wouldn't have that inner turmoil of the right and wrong, which the movie is mostly about discussing the rights and wrongs of the murder. And him, he acknowledges what he does was wrong and all that stuff. And even after the murder, there's this big guilt that weighs over him and then it ends in a very resolute way. But at the end of the movie, I thought to myself, you know what? Could this could it have done without the Woody thing? Because the Woody thing is a good romance. That is, I, I actually Woody Allen's acting. By the way, in the movie, Woody Allen's acting is very good. He playing, yeah. playing a, you know, a very jealous, still neurotic, and still someone that works in. Actually, this is the second time Woody's Woody's playing a character that works in. in actually, and 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 Hall, he was a comedian as well. So actually, this is the third time he plays himself as someone in the industry. Because I mentioned this on Hand and the Scissors as well. I love seeing Woody in a television environment. And again, him being a documentarian is so funny. The movie he actually comes up with for this for that guy, um, Alan Alda's character, Albert's character, the the mockumentary, the insult he makes him was so good. And look, I'm gonna let you rebuttal because I actually want to hear why you disagree with me on the, the mixture on this. First of all. Here's the thing. First, let's focus on Woody Allen's storyline, right? So basically, in his cold marriage and his lackluster career where he can't seem to get paid for what he wants to do and people want to do movies he doesn't want to do, I, I, I wonder where he got that idea from. You know, that that's kind of an alien concept for him, right? Playing Funny. a filmmaker who can't do the movies he wants to do. But Funny. basically, his wife sets him up with his job to make a documentary about his brother-in-law, Lester, a guy he cannot stand. And what makes it even worse, that the only ray of light in his life is Mia Farrow's character, who's a producer, I believe, yeah. that he has to collaborate on with this project he hates. But they have an instant connection, and he starts showing her this other documentary project he, he's working on about this very intelligent professor, or I think, a, was he, is he like an intellectual, a, a writer? <laughs> he is uh, talking uh, about the joys of life, which is a nice twist as well. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. So basically, yeah. basically, a much deeper documentary about a more serious subject matter and a more interesting guy. And they just have this instant connection, and Woody Allen's character is falling in love. But at the same time, this lesser guy starts developing his own little feelings towards Mia Farrow's character just because she's attractive and she's there and Lester's kind of a player. And that part of the movie, to me, is Woody Allen's redemption with comedy because it was so freaking funny. Usually, that love triangle character would be played by Tony Roberts. And Tony Roberts is very likable and they always have a good chemistry with Woody and they handle the situation very, how should I say, bros before hoes, to put it in Shakespeare's tongue, right? <laughs> you know, they're they always very blasé about it. But in this one, it's not Tony Roberts. And Alan Alda makes Lester so annoying and so unlikable. So just seeing Woody having to make this very flattering documentary about him and just roll his eyes at everything he says about what's funny and what's comedy is just priceless. I was laughing so hard. Immediately, one of the brilliant things, in my opinion, is the strong contrast. You have this very dark storyline, very serious on one end, and then you have this romantic comedy in the same movie on the other side. Yeah. On top of that, if you pay attention, the two storylines parallel, and both of them deal with two guys who come from different ends of the spectrum. One is very successful, the other one not so much. But they have things missing in their marriage, and one of them goes down the route of having an affair, cheating on his wife, and committing a crime. 
while Woody Allen's character seems to stay in the middle and tries to do the right thing. And the ironic bit of the movie is that Woody Allen's character, Cliff, gets all the punishment. It seems like by the end of the film, once they completed their journeys, Cliff is at a real down point. Everything turned on him. He didn't get the girl. He lost his wife. And he couldn't even complete the, any either movie. The movie he hated and the movie he liked. He couldn't complete either. While he was trying to do the right thing. Meanwhile, Judah, who suffered basically great regret at some point. But nevertheless, did the quote-unquote bad things and the crimes. Seems to come out on top. And if you think back, either Purple Rose of Cairo or Zelig or September and Hannah and her sisters, Woody always defaults to tragedy and developed this niche type of storytelling where he always goes with the real ending. He doesn't want to give you the Hollywood ending. He wants to give you the real ending. That's what makes his films unique. He has this hard, definitive, this would happen in real life. Don't expect the, the fairy tale ending approach. So here he applies that to a murder case where instead of watching somebody commit a crime, and then the movie revolves around him getting caught and being filled with regret. The movie says, this person criminal crime, and life goes on, just like in real life. So while it's a fascinating character study to go through Judah's story, for me, what makes it even more interesting, that it kind of says that the movie kind of has the statement where, in the end, things didn't really turn out bad for him. While Cliff, he's kind of, he's kind of fucked. You're right. You know, Simon, you've just proved to yourself. You've just proved to the audience why I have you on the podcast because you have completely converted me. And you know what? Your observations are 100% correct. And, you know, you just pointed out the clear contrast. And um, I'm not going to... I'm going to put that more on myself. I could be an arsehole and just say, oh, Woody Allen, as a director, didn't point it out clear enough like he did on Stardust Memories. Oh, to be that, honest that's with... not even... That was another nightmare for me because there is one scene in, with lightning and darkness and rain outside where it gets kind of trippy and I was like, oh, please don't make him wake up from a, from a dream at the you end know of what? the... You're, you're gonna have to get over that though because you said that in every review you're, you're waiting for the rabbit to come. I, 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 I was waiting for a rabbit because half of the movie again are dinner scenes at dinner parties I was like don't do not do this you know I don't <laughs> Simon for the record that I, I'm pretty sure we don't get that kind of confusion ever again anyway I'm complimenting you man you were right I, I now you pointed it out I can see that you're right this is pretty much written in a perfect parallel I still think it could the parallel could have been done a little bit better, but it's there. I won't deny that. On top of that, I knew something beforehand about the movie that lets me forgive Woody Allen a lot more. And when you hear this, I'm sure you're going to just laugh. Woody Allen didn't want to be in the movie. And it was actually the studio that requested he write himself in the movie because the last two dramas he did did not do well at all. And they were like, you know, we need you in the movie to bring in money because when you're in the movie, people are going to come and see you, even if it's a drama, please. And, you know, he lost a lot of money. I'm not saying they were very, in, in comparison to his other movies, the last two movies, September and Another Woman, they were pretty much, in the grand scheme of Woody Allen, catastrophes financially. So they were like, please write yourself in the movie, which he didn't want to do. And actually, the actor that was meant to be playing... um a similar role because that role it's not even that he wasn't meant to play that character that character the movie was really meant to be just 
the infidelity side. The Woody Allen side was, but he actually did that by a studio request. And I guess he felt guilty because I don't think Woody actually bends to the wheels of the, of the studio, but he's, you know, I think he actually felt a little bit guilty that they've given him a, a blank check to do all the movies he wants under complete creative control. And he, you know, he did it twice. He did good dramas that nobody appreciated. And now he's like, you know what, man, I could be an arsehole and just do what I want. But you know what? Let me try to, you know, do it both ways. And I will say, man, in doing it as a director and as just a person, it's I think it's a really nice, this is a change for Woody because he doesn't do that often. And we're going to see that he does what he wants because that's how he works. This time, you probably wouldn't have known until I just said this to you. I mean, would you have even thought that he didn't even write the character? But again, I, I did feel a little mismatch. But hearing that, I was like, that makes sense to me now a bit more why this movie feels like it didn't feel like it was meant to be a parallel story and now I know it really kind of wasn't. Hmm. Oh, well, to me, the movie works as it is. Well, that's like good. I said. Well, that's but, good. If it works and anyway. I, I converted you, so you have to tie with me now. Like, there's no going back. You can't switch. Well, but... no, no, no. Well, I agree with you that the message and his intention is there. As for my enjoyment of the movie, I mostly, you know what? I will say this. Woody Allen and Mia Farrow, they have the best chemistry they're ever going to have in this movie. I can say that right now. Even the first movie, Midsummer Night's uh, sex work comedy, when they was the first time they got together and they were those Mr. Lovers or whatever, the chemistry here is so earnest. And Woody Allen has a, very, has a very sad final scene where he you can see the disappointment and heartbroken on his face. And, you know, Woody Allen has said now more recently, not even more recently, especially this time in his career, I want to do dramas. Dramas is what I want to do. I'm, I, I know I have a talent for comedy, but dramas is what I want to do. And when I yeah. saw him do this, I was like, you know what, man? As an actor, Woody Allen, you've got talent. This is another movie. I know you said this in Play... Uh, not Play Against Sam. The Front. I was about to yeah bring that up, but yeah. Yeah, you enjoyed Could, his on. acting. Here, I think this is the best I've seen Woody Allen as an actor. And I'm surprised because I wouldn't expect that. And on top of that... He's not the focal. He's not really the focus of the movie, and he does such a good performance. And same, I will give Mia Farrow credit as well. She actually plays the role very well, even though she ends up being—I wouldn't even say a bitch—but she just makes her choice as a character in the movie. Now she, burns, she's not a bitch. She's a dumb she's not, bitch. <laughs> the acting is superb. And sorry, who's the main character who plays um the main uh, cheater again? What's his name? Oh, uh, Martin Landau. He's fan- He's absolutely fantastic. It is his movie. He has to carry a lot, yeah. you know, because a lot of dramatic stuff that happens to him happens to him alone. He's at home alone. He's on the phone. He's in the car. And that's tough acting. You have no nobody else to play off of. You have to emote and awake yeah. all the emotion by yourself. Woody Allen never has a problem with casting and actors. And he himself puts himself in the movie... Not by choice, but puts up in the movie. And he's great. Look, the acting's great. The only thing that made me come away from the movie feeling deflated is actually not the movie itself. I think the movie's very good. Not one of my favourites. I will say that. Very good, ponderous movie. But again, I think after Woody Allen made the movie, which again, at the time, I really feel like this is another movie at the time. It was kind of, I don't want to say groundbreaking, but it really shook things up because people... Oh, yeah would do thrillers and th- they would do things like they would murder uh, you know uh, uh, people that in affairs they, this isn't new but the way Woody Allen makes it a thinking piece as a character piece for my even when I researched uh, murdering lovers I couldn't really find 
movies that had done a thinking piece like this since this movie was made yes there's been a lot of clones in the future so in that regard the movie is aged a little bit because a lot of people hadn't seen this movie even though it's a Woody Allen classic and if you're not a Woody Allen fan you might watch this movie now and say oh I've kind of seen this idea before and ah but I, I think the movie resonates so well because there still hadn't been a thinking piece about murder good versus evil right versus wrong in this way at this time and that's why I think it has such a strong legacy I don't want to be superficial but I will say I think them being all the characters like in their 50s 60s you know dealing with this yep. it, it might not gel with audiences as much like match point is a younger it's not the same movie we'll get to match point that it's not the same movie but i will say that's a younger cast with a very similar theme so i think that goes along along it goes over much broader than this movie which seems if you're a movie goer and you're a thinker you would you, that you wouldn't care about the ages but i'm just saying i could notice that eh, some people might watch this and think oh these are old people i don't really care about rich white old people and their stupid problems you know so yeah yeah i i know what you're saying i mean you already pointed out two things that that make me biased towards this, liking this movie uh, uh more than you pointed out in the beginning one was that finally this is the woody allen performance i was waiting for since the front i told I mentioned during the front that I really enjoy when Woody goes more dramatic and this was a good opportunity for him and I thought it was great. He elevated the movie a lot for me. And the other one was that it's a character study. It's basically like a really good episode of Columbo where they take the concept of you see the murder in the beginning and then you follow what happens to the killer afterwards or, or the person who initiated it afterwards. And they he nailed that concept of really making it realistic and saying there's no godly justice there's no instant karma it's just something he has to live with and how his life develops and how he reacts to it that's what drives the movie forward in terms of his storyline and that's where the, the the difference comes in with match point this is a character study match point is more of a situational i guess suspense movie yeah and that's why it's so hard for me to say watch this first because at match point you're dealing with a mystery the movie develops and you don't know where it's going where with this film crimes and misdemeanors the movie basically tells you where it's gonna go and what's happening but watching it unfold and really studying this very realistic depiction of something that previously the writers always defaulted to you know of course he's going to get caught or of course he's going to regret. Of course, of course, this and this has to happen. And Woody Allen took this realistic approach he had with his endings and just made it into the entire movie like, well, this is what happens in real life. People do terrible things and they go on living with it. And that's the strongest theme that this movie has. So it doesn't need that mystery or suspense element to it. But it also takes away from his later works, if you've seen this movie before. So I'm, a, I'm a, in a little bit of a peril. But I will say this. Two storylines being, or mirroring each other. Woody Allen's story being so funny and me enjoying him. Not only as a comedian, but also as a dramatic actor in this. Makes this movie special. So it's not one of my favorites. I wasn't blown away by it as 
apparently half the world is making this what the number what number number four four and, and Woody Allen isn't oh actually this is one of Woody Allen's personal favorites just because he says this came out exactly the way for the most part ninety nine percent the way he wrote it you know and I think or close or close to it, as he yeah. wrote I, I know he likes a, a few others more where he says that's a perfect match like stardust memories but (laughs) (laughs) but but he he likes this movie and it is a very well-made film so i think it's a quiet taste i would say so it's definitely worth watching it is still unique it was very groundbreaking at the time i think so i think so you know um uh, so the critical feedback, I, I forgot what I was going to say. I'll just jump to the critical feedback. The critical feedback, this is again, we just said it, one of Woody Allen's most loved films, nines and nines and tens. You know, I think it's got so many awards. I, sorry, I didn't even check out the awards that it got, but this is, you know, held as one of those must-watch Woody Allen movies. Uh, match point, it, it does supersede it, but I don't know what to say. You know, this is, I, you know what, I kind of end on what we said before. Woody Allen goes back and goes back and refines his other movies and just tweaks them. He does it all the time. We've spoke about four or five movies. This is another one that we will revisit later down the line when we see we can match point. And you know, it's 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 a good movie. I know again, people might hate us for not overloving it like the rest. I think it's a good thinking piece. But you know, I do. Even the comedy, I really like it. I wasn't rolling. It wasn't the same kind of belly whimsical laughter I was getting in the earlier films but it was very comedic and I really have to give props to um, Alan Alda because Woody Allen even said his performance was so good it was much shorter when they were rewriting the movie he gave him more screen time and I have to say man that was a really good choice because he makes a really good foil to Woody Allen <laughs> and it's just a joy to, and that really does pep up the whole movie and again I will say this because I know people I'm not backpedaling I agree with Simon I have to call it when I see it it is a much better two for one movie, and I hate to call it that because I'm not oversimplifying. It's not a two. It's not a two for one movie in the yeah. In the sense, it, it, I'm just saying it, that. It, it, this ain't like this ain't like groceries at Walmart. I know, it? I know. I'm just saying for me, you know, I until you kind of, I know, you know, I'm just an idiot, guys. You know, don't hate me. This is Planet Tyro, guys. I couldn't see the strings until Simon pointed it out to me. I don't know why. But it's, I'm not denying it's a good movie. It's a good movie, guys. And yeah, so this is the end of the, the 80s, man. We're finally there. We're, we're going to be in the... Well, actually, no. The next movie is in the 80s, but that isn't a Woody Allen directed movie. So just before you guys, you know, on the next release, it's not going to be the 1990 movie Alice that you're expecting. It's actually going to be New York New York, uh, New York York Stories, New York Times, whatever. We'll get to it. You guys will see. Yeah, we'll, we'll get to it. In my mind, we're out of the 80s. Yeah, we are. Technically, for the Woody Allen directing movies, we are. But again, we're kind of qu- qu- just having some fun with it. And we're going to talk about something a little bit fun. We're going to have actually a discussion about Woody Allen's career at this point in the 90s because we're actually getting to a very crucial point in Woody Allen's career where there's a lot of change because of Woody's personal life. You know what's coming, so we're going to address oh, yeah. it when it comes. So we're, we're getting to the point where Woody Allen's personal life is more interesting than his films. You know? <laughs> oh, that's that. That is the debate. I don't want to say that's a definite. That we'll we'll get to it as we go through the those years and those films. So anyway, guys, don't forget to check out the Woody Allen pages. Watches, guys, you can get all the quiz trivia on uh, on this movie or the other Woody Allen movies as well. We want to thank Woody Allen Pages for letting us, you know, check out the book, share the book with you guys. It's very cheap. 
And as usual, I want to thank my co-host Simon Brad for joining me on this one and opening my eyes to the to the magnificence of this movie that I couldn't see for some reason. Hey, that's what I do every Sunday. I just <laughs> open people's eyes and enlighten them. I, I kind of do that. I also walk on water, but that's just Tuesdays. Exactly. I t- people don't know you were really born from Krypton. I tried to say that on the other review. <laughs> Came in with a spaceship. You had that big, you know, your sign's not the S sign, it's an A for giant fucking asshole. <laughs> Anyway, guys, that's enough fucking around. Check us out on the next discussion. I'll put the links to the retrospective, the podcast. Subscribe to the channel. Thanks for everyone listening on the podcast. And uh, we'll see you on the next recording. Hey, on my planet, A stands for fuck you. That makes perfect sense. <laughs>